The Accidental Entrepreneur is brought to you with the help of our sponsor, A. Weber, the world's leading small business email marketing and automation service provider. Since 1998, A. Weber has helped more than 1 million small businesses and entrepreneurs through its suite of web-based email marketing, automation tools, and education. A. Weber, the best option when it comes to marketing your business. The podcast is also brought to you by the Alternative Board. Since 1989, the Alternative Board, or TAB, has been one of the leading peer advisory and business coaching organizations for independent business owners and CEOs across the world. By facilitating peer advisory boards, private one-on-one coaching, and strategic planning services, TAB helps business owners improve their businesses in ways that change their lives. And be sure to check out our affiliate sponsor, One of One Productions, the New Jersey-based podcast studio that produces and edits both audio and video podcasts. They sell equipment for the avid podcaster and have even created a guesting kit exclusively for our listeners. And be sure to support the podcast by ordering some logo merchandise from our online store. Listen to all of our sponsors' commercials later in this episode and follow their links in the show notes to learn more about their products and services. Absolutely. For, for me, the, the key one, especially in the agency and service space where we're at, um, mm-hmm. a lot of the founders um, are the specialists within their business. So they're doing the sales right. and then they're doing the delivery. And what happens when you, you get to a certain point in the, these sort of businesses, you know, we get to seven, eight, nine hundred thousand uh, a year. So a good sized yeah. business, you've got a little team. Um, and what happens then is you're doing all the sales and then right. you sold and then you deliver and then you stay at an optimum and then you lose clients and then you, you end up on this sort of wheel where you're, right. you're doing the sales, delivering, lose a client, then you have to go back to sales. And what good operators and good business owners do is they'll set up um, really strong operating procedures and empower the team so they can just focus on sales, pass that knowledge onto the team, let their egos go. You know, they shouldn't be delivering on client accounts at that that size um, and let the team actually deliver that. All right. Welcome, uh, whoever's listening and whoever's watching out there. Um, this is the uh, another live episode of the show. I got two new friends uh, from the UK uh, over across the pond, so to speak. And uh, this is the last live episode we're doing this year. So we won't be doing one in December. You'll tune in. Maybe we'll pick it up again in January, depending on uh, how it goes. So if you are listening on your favorite directory, please leave us a five-star review. If you're watching on YouTube, be sure to subscribe. And like the podcast so we can keep bringing quality guests like we have uh, today with Elliot and uh, Dom Chapman. So let's get on with the show. The information provided in these episodes is for entertainment purposes only. It is not a guarantee of success or to be construed as advice of any kind. You should always seek advice from local licensed professionals before making any decisions. The dictionary defines an entrepreneur as a person who organizes and manages any enterprise, especially a business, usually with considerable initiative and risk. People often start a business without much choice, perhaps due to a job loss or just being dissatisfied at work, and they come up with an idea they just know can be successful. They become entrepreneurs by accident. That is to say their success or failure happens by accident, not with intention. My name is Mitch Beinhacker. I'm a corporate attorney and a business advisor. You're listening to The Accidental Entrepreneur my podcast about how to achieve success on purpose, not by accident. Join me along with our monthly guests 
where we share our knowledge and help you get a hold of your business. And now on to today's episode. Hi, I'm Dom Chapman, the other half um, brother um, of Chapman Capital. Um, as Elliot said, we, we work with a number of agencies in the UK and the US um, and also run Speak On Podcast, which is why we're here today. All right, guys, uh, Elliot and Dom, thanks for joining me. I know we, uh, I think we had to reschedule at one point. Yeah, that I think right? we had. Thanks it's for having us on. So, no, yeah, glad, glad you. you guys can be here. And I know you're not as tired as me because it's probably the afternoon <laughs> over there. So that's uh, that's good. But why don't we, I know you guys have a bit of a sports background. You have a tech background. Um, and even though people watching, you guys are young, you are in venture capital and you've invested in companies and own companies and all kinds of cool stuff like that. So, but maybe we go back a little bit spend half the show talking about your backgrounds and then do some commercials and then uh, talk about some of the companies you guys are working with. Ellie, you want to take it away and then Dom will yeah, jump sure. in. Um, so we go back to um, post-college. Uh, so sort of 18 college being like the end of high school in the U S not quite university as it's called here. So 18 left okay. high school and didn't really know what I wanted to do. Was except is college different than university in? So you call it college, in, right? England. Over here, yeah. it's called over. Yeah, over here university. it's called university. Yeah. There's a there's a there's yeah, a period same. in between leaving school and going to uni, which is called college, which is like two years of doing what's over here called A levels. Um, so did that. Got it. Um, was playing uh was playing in a in a soccer academy and didn't really know what i wanted to do didn't want to just go to university for the sake of going to university um and one of my coaches in the academy we had a good relationship i was his captain and he said listen he knew that i wasn't sure if i should go to to university and he said oh, i'm going to open up a local soccer school if you're in between things why don't you come and help me set it up um which was much, okay. yeah, 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 exactly okay. that. Like help set it up. I had to go and recruit schools to come on board. Um, so turned out to be an unbelievable opportunity without me really realizing what I was doing to, to get grounding of how to grow a business. Um, so I was the yeah. person who was sort of metaphorically knocking on the school's doors to, to try and get them into our, into our ecosystem. And over a period of, just shy of three years, we grew that from nothing to the number one local soccer school um, in our region. We were the. So it was like a exactly. academy, like the schools would send their players for. Okay, that's cool. And you had no business background. I mean, you learned a little no, bit. High I didn't learn anything in, in high school. <laughs> it was a miracle that I made it to the end of school, to be honest with you. Yeah, you yeah were, literally. Through, right? um, exactly. So that for me was. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think that. As those two years of college, like, or I think like they should do more of that in the United States. If kids go to university; they have no idea like what they're doing in their life. They they and can't I, even, you know, they're like just. I, I left, so. Dom and I both went to the same college, but obviously different times, and it's so it's completely different over here. You you can stay on at your school and do your A levels, or you can go to a brand new okay. college, a brand new school, and start from scratch, which is exactly what I did because I wanted to get out i wanted to learn something new i wanted to be in a brand new environment um but i struggled i was the youngest in my school year i'd only just turned 16 and it went from 
a lot of support in school to completely independent learning. And I mentally, I was nowhere near ready enough for that level of education. Um, so I, I did struggle at, at college. I managed to get my A-levels um, and I managed to get offers to just <laughs> managed to get offers to, to go to university. But it was just never it was never for me. The the opportunity to for me at 18, 19, 20 to play football, coach football and just be in that environment for as long as possible was much more attractive than going to sit in another classroom and have my head in books. It's just not me. Right. I'm not, your, I'm not that yeah. guy. Yeah. Um, so I, I right. did that and we grew that to, um, you know, the number one local soccer school. We had partnerships with a couple of professional clubs um, down on the South coast. So AFC Bournemouth, Southampton, two Premier League clubs um, acting as their feeder. So we would send them players when they, once they got to a certain level. I then got headhunted by a, by a firm out in the U S um, to come and do exactly the same thing, but on a national scale. So at 21, that was too good an opportunity to, to turn down. So I moved out. To grow a national organization for yeah. soccer training. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's getting big. big. There was much yeah. more money behind it. Like still in the UK, it's still very much a grassroots sport. Whereas what, what I learned when I went out to the US is it's everything is funded. Everything has got money behind it. Massively. Oh, big time. There's money in it. They'll hugely be funded. So, you know, the, the practice yeah. fields, everything that we had was grade A. It was best in class. Um, so it was, a yeah. again, a phenomenal environment for me to learn, to grow. I was responsible for about 40-ish coaches and about 600 players. Um, which when I look back at the age of 21, at the age of 21 at the time, I just thought it was relatively normal. I look back now and I, I, right. I think that's quite an achievement. <laughs> no, yeah, not, um, not definitely not normal. You know, soccer or football outside of the United States um, was big when I was young and there was a professional league and the whole yep. thing folded. Like it wasn't like it is now. And now globally you can watch games overseas and the whole thing. So it's really come Yeah, it's back. huge. It's, it's huge. And it, and it even yeah. was big and growing when I was out there at the time. This was back in 2014. Yeah. Um, so I did my year, got offered to stay, decided to come home, felt like I'd sort of done everything I wanted to and achieved everything I wanted to achieve out in the States. Um, came back and my dad at the time was trying to persuade me. Issue. Yeah, 21, um, 21 and a half at the time. Okay. And my dad was, he had a, an IT management consultancy, um, was, which was pretty successful. And he said, listen, come, come work for me. I'm like, nah, you, no, I don't want to work with you. I don't want to work for you at all. So he sort of, over the course of about four weeks, he was persuading me and I decided to go, I was like, okay, I'll meet with your business partner and let's just see what happens. Um, and it turned out to be one of the best things that I did. I always had this consensus that. I, but did you no. have a background in? Do you have a background nope. in IT or anything? No. Nope. Yeah, sure. And Dom will when he when he gets. To- <laughs> now, how how old Dom? How old were you at this point? I'm, I'm surprised. I'm su- I'm surprised Dell's even here. <laughs> He's even been able to log on to the laptop. <laughs> <laughs> so Dom, how old were you at this point? He's 21. How many years are you younger than him? I was I was 19 at this point. So yeah, you were so, like doing college or figuring your life out at that point? I, I, I just started my first business actually at 19. Yeah. So, okay. um, which was, which was in design and tech, but we'll, 
we'll jump into that in a, in a little bit. Yeah, in a minute. I just want to get the time frame. Okay, so Elliot, yeah, yeah. you go to work for your dad with no experience, except yep. you're his son. And uh, okay, yeah, no. so you know, here's my son. He's going to handle your ID. What's his background? He's got no background <laughs> in ID. He's a soccer player. Sure, come on in and mess yeah, up all so our computers. Should probably caveat that I wasn't doing any of the IT. Um, I was doing I was doing all the selling, um, <laughs> selling the services, working with. Right. You were setting up the deals, and then exactly. you said, "Here, guys, you take I do it all over. the yeah. I do all the sexy right. stuff. That's what the salesmen here do. My son's in tech. My son's like a programmer. The salesmen go in, they promise everything to the client, and they leave it to the tech guys to figure out. Nine, 90 percent of the time, they're like, "We <laughs> yeah, can't do that." That's me. Like, you know, <laughs> he still right, does it now. Exactly. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I worked worked there for uh, for five years, sort of worked my way up through the organisation, um, and that was when Dom and I started to sort of cross up cross paths in terms of our business journey. I was running the the company, trying to help sell it, trying to really grow its presence, and struggling. And Dom and I actually shared an office at the time, mm-hmm. um, and Dom's when Dom tells. He was, at a, he was at a different company, but we were just sharing a, an office. And when Dom tells his story, I will cut off at a time where we will cross paths. So it makes sense. Um, but yeah. we, we then eventually started helping each other grow each other's companies through these various techniques, which mm-hmm. turned out to be what is now Social Chats, which is our first agency and our first company that we started together. So that is a nice little segue where I'll okay. throw the ball over to Dom. All right, Tom. So Amazing. let's start. You were born in a cabin in the south end of England <laughs> yeah. or something? Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so similar similar journey to Elle at the start. I, I went to the same college, so moved on from school to college um, and still didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I got an opportunity to do a sort of a short internship at uh, – it's called Specsavers in the UK. It's sort of the, the largest um, optician in the UK. Um, so I think they've got about 1800 stores. Yeah. And I did, yes. Eyeglass stores. Yeah. 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 Um, and started there, did a sort of a four week internship. Um, and then they asked me to stay on. So stayed on and my role was, there was sort of innovation and commercial. So I was working directly with the leadership team. So very lucky to be in that role, but my role was to come up with new products and new services um, that could basically save money within the stores and drive new customers. So okay. worked with a small team over a year um, and ran what, what was called hackathons at the time. So I'd get the marketing team, the opticians, developers in a room for 24 hours. Um, we'd, I'd give them a problem. Um, and then we would come up with the solution, build the first version of the app, um, and then ship it to a few stores within 24 hours. So we had like a real test, yeah, yeah, to test in a couple so of stores. They, yeah, they lock these people in a room, drive them food and water to sleep for 24 hours, see what they come up with, and then give it a shot, test it. Pretty much, there was a lot of pizza, a lot of pizza. Oh, okay. um, pizza. yeah, good yeah. brain food. Um, if you know developers. <laughs> Yeah, if you know developers, that's what they like. Um, yeah, that's what they like, exactly. Yeah, so so did that. Um, and then as I was doing that, um, I got the opportunity to do a few things myself, um, a few sort of first versions of apps, a few designs. Um, and with a friend from college, we launched our first sort of design agency. 
Um, that started to grow in itself alongside Specsavers. So after a year, I left Specsavers. Why did you leave? Um, and launched the. Why did you leave? <clears throat> there was a there was a few there was a bit of crossover with my work at Specsavers and my first business, um, and okay. had to had to mute bit of conflict of interest and had yeah. to mutually mutually leave Specsavers okay. um, and get walked out the front door in front of 400 people okay. at the age security. of 19 yeah yeah security thing yeah um, so so right. that was fun and humbling um, yeah I'm sure this gentleman he's going to escort yeah, you to your car I'm good. Yeah, it was okay. We'll make sure you leave the building. Yeah, it was really yeah. like in the films where you're walking out with like a box, you know, with all your stuff yeah. in it. It was it was one of those. Yeah. Um, but that sort of spurred me on to to sort of launch and grow the agency. Right. And then within that agency, we actually came up with an idea um, to sort of launch a piece of tech. So we span the business into a tech platform. Um, Use the same team. We just sort of re-changed everyone's job role slightly. Um, and then we decided to raise a round of investment from sort of angels. Raised that round, launched uh, launched the product. And then this is sort of where mine and L's path started to cross. Um, if I did it again, I'd do it differently. But we built the product hey, and wow. now, I, now I needed to sell it. Instead of doing any market validation, um, you know, any any research speaking to potential customers we just had this naivety that if we speak to them they're going to tell us what they want and what they think they want that's instead that, of what they actually need yeah a lot yeah. of people skip that step and went, why is nobody buying my product because the best companies i work with and the best people are always testing and asking and because you, you're usually yep. wrong about the reason that your customer is buying the product you know, exactly. uh, it's just it's a humbling thing. And you're, you like developed it. You knew why they needed it. And you're, you know, you're all digging your heels in like this is, so the agency was like a marketing and PR agency for companies. It wasn't a development agency, was it? It was, it was a design, it was sort of a design and development agency. So we did, we bit, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Sort of more prototypes, more design led, more than the the concept of actually building products we would do the designs right. we would do video production awesome. um yeah yeah we'd do the concepts of it were they, but, were they like uh you know hard products uh, or were they more it it app-based yeah 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 so we did a lot of like user interface user experience sort of type work um so that Got side it. of our product was amazing um but what we didn't think about is the actual journey of a buyer um so this comes from the yeah, experience of us of us selling yeah yeah um and understanding the market that we were in which was we were going into the recruitment market um and we didn't understand really how all the softwares hang together and to get into a company you need to be you know have this open integration with all these different businesses it's it's a whole you know enterprise software is a whole yeah. different beast to selling um you know one specific piece of software or right. Or an agency. Um, Isn't that where what they call uh, APIs come in, right? Those yes. are the little programs that kind of connect the bridges and yep. make them speak to each other. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, see, I so know yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so we launched we launched it with no APIs. Tried to sell into all these businesses, and they were like, "Do you integrate with this? Do you integrate with this?" Because we need it to push to all these different places for this to work. And yeah, right. we were like, uh, "No, it doesn't." <laughs> um, right. So then we had to go and build 
all of the APIs to integrate with all these different systems. Um, well, everything's really data now, right? I mean, that's my son, his major is informatics, which I don't even know if they have that over by you. And I never heard of it. It's like a new area, but it's basically programming all these apps in the database and the data that goes within the data tables. That's really what drives our whole society. If you, right? I mean, if you have an app, the app's going to some data table and um, it's pulling data and then it's using that data and then it needs to send it somewhere. Right, and so if it doesn't go anywhere, they're like, "Well, we can't use your software because we need the, the data." Speed, the speed it moves yeah. as well. Sure yeah. Like Don, you were saying the story from from like version one of the app to the end product was what, like eighteen months or two years, yeah. and the tech was already near enough legacy tech. Yeah, yeah, you need you need uh, an unbelievable development team to be working on it twenty four seven to stay ahead of the game. And if you don't right. have that, um, then you're just going to be behind within a couple of years. It's Especially constantly with moving, right? it's constantly moving, and some of the yeah. some of the sales cycles. We it took us twelve months to to sell in, and by the time we'd sold it in, we needed to build a whole new yeah. version for it. Yeah, yeah, and change it. So it's it's a constant cycle with that software. Hence, why I'm still a little bit scarred around uh, SaaS and software. This um, is like right. hence why we've gone down the agency route for the last. Last it's like therapy for you. It's therapy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, okay. So um, you guys still aren't together yet at this point, right? You're kind of working together, but you're in different companies. Yeah. So so this is where we're, we've, we've got shared office. I've built um, sort of the first version of the, the system. I've gone to a few marketing agencies for advice and a few little campaigns and nothing's come back. So I've got minimal budget left um, to actually start to produce some results and actually get some customers using it. I come to Al because obviously he's he's in the sales side of um, the business and we sort of put our heads together and work out a system that actually sort of automates um, building relationships at scale. Um, so okay. we use some of the tech team within within my business, um, some of the expertise from Al and his business, and we started to put together these automated systems that would actually build relationships. Um, so that was sort of the first version of Social Chaps. Al, I don't know if you want to chime in. Got it. Yeah, you want to tell us what Social Chaps yeah, is? Yeah, Dom, you've that was massively really inflated my role in, uh, in creating that tech, so thank you. Um, really, really thank you. Um, maybe I'm much smarter <laughs> than I actually am. Um, so social chaps is a b2b lead generation system um, or a b2b lead generation agency and right. we operate on two core platforms linkedin and email and again talking about the tech it's constantly evolving the strategies the tech the methodologies are constantly evolving but what we try and do is create create right. creative or come up with creative techniques creative methodologies to try and engage your end buyer so whoever your prospect is, so not just spamming them with, you know, 20,000 emails. How do we create interesting content um, and give value so that they actually want to speak to you? That That's going to differ from, from business to business. But what we're trying to do is create long-lasting relationships and try and leave the door ajar to help our prospects or help our customers um, create those meaningful relationships. So that's what social chaps does oh it's a, it's a social media platform content marketing is what it is? it's more of a lead gen is that yeah, what helps you do content marketing social media we're going on. okay yeah yeah so so we yeah so we drive on on linkedin and email so it's not our own sort okay. of platform but no i know that it, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. And what, what it allows us to do is just build those relationships through content, through events, through webinars, through masterclasses. Right. Um, and we have the, but it's the like specialist. Like a lead yeah. gen funnel where you're exactly. bringing people yeah. into your world, you're introducing them to your product and educating them, pulling them out the bottom exactly when they're ready that. to. Absolutely. To do business, is it, are you are you focused or are you focused on any specific industries that you work better with than others, or are you kind no, of no, no, no? It's it's fairly. Specific. I think I think. Go on, Tom. We we're crossing over each other. Um, <laughs> typically, it's agencies, consultancies. <laughs> um, we have dabbled in some sort of SaaS and typically agencies, consultancies. Hence, how we sort of now into the agency world. Got it. So you're helping other agencies generate leads, business owners that'll that'll work with uh, exactly with that. You. Yeah. So we, yeah, right? exactly that. Okay. So, um, all right. So that company's and that company's still around, right? It's still still doing stuff, helping people. Okay. So, yes. so tell me what's the spinoff or. Because now you guys have several companies, and I, I know you're buying companies because of the capital organization, right? Chapman Capital. So yeah, so there. so we right. over, I guess, so we, we launched Social Chaps in 2019 once I'd exited and Ella exited uh, the sort of family business. So okay. we both exited at similar times um, and then decided to fully launch Social Chaps, which was the business that sort of was the idea that we had. Um we scaled that um, pretty quickly in 12 months. So scaled that to about 20, 23 people within 12 months during COVID. So it was fully remote. Um, uh-huh. We then got an offer for someone to buy Social Chaps um, and their idea sort of strategy, they were a private equity firm and they wanted to use uh-huh. Social Chaps to actually be an anchor agency. So all of the other businesses that they buy, they would plug Social Chaps in to scale them and increase revenue and increase Makes customers sure. so it, it made sense um we went through that whole journey of um being bought right up to the final final point and then we decided to pull out um a number of different reasons for that um but what we did like is the the idea and the concept of um being able to increase revenue and sort of profitability for other businesses where we were as a model is we were just on retainer, you know, retainer, monthly retainers for our customers. Yeah. We were bringing them in one, two, three million a year um, through our systems, but we were not seeing the back end of that. So that's where Chapman Capital was launched. Um, and then we bought our first business, Speak On Podcasts, uh, about, I'm going to say about a year ago, El, close to a year ago. Exactly 13 months ago to the day. So, so you basically almost completed an acquisition or an exit, or I mean, I guess you would have stayed on, but and then said, "Hey, maybe we can do this better ourselves." It was exactly, yeah, right? pretty much that. So we we went quite a long way <laughs> through the journey. Um, we then things change, and and when you go through an acquisition process, the the goalposts are always moving. Um, for one reason and or another yep. we decided that it wasn't for us um pulled out and really liked the idea of what they were trying to do but it did then take us another sort of 12 18 months on from there to 
formulate how we would do it to pick the right opportunity um, and actually complete that that first transaction. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to find. I mean, you know, you got to kiss a lot of frogs before you find yes. your prince, right? So you guys probably review a lot of companies and they're just junk or they're just too messed up or it's not your bailiwick or whatever happens to be, right? So Yeah, I think so, I think we we had about 65 calls in 6 weeks at, at one point with with new new agencies really? that we we're, we're talking to, yeah. I was going to say there's a very royal we. So what attracted you to speak on podcast? <laughs> Uh, so what attracted you to this company to speak on podcast? So we, we were introduced by Mutual Contact, um, which is a massive, a massive thing. Somebody who I guess sort of validated that they were a good fit, not just the company, but the founders mm-hmm. and the personality that sort of sits within the business. And that's largely why we, you know, we didn't do a transaction before we bought Speak on Podcasts. It wasn't often the the finances. A lot of it was wasn't just quite the right fit. The, whether it's the company or the people, largely people, um, just wasn't yeah. quite the right fit. And as soon as yeah. we spoke to to Mark and Jakob, it just clicked. Like we had a conversation. We got introduced at, on like a, a Monday afternoon. By the Monday evening, we'd had our first conversation, which lasted two hours. Dom and I jumped off a call. And we're like. I like these guys. I like what they've got to say. I like the company. By Wednesday or Thursday, I think we'd had a, an initial offer out to them. Um, and we knew that we had to move quickly mm-hmm. because we knew that there were other people at the table. Um, and from first conversation to right. completion was six weeks, which is fast. Got it. Well, don't you think some of that has to do with, like if you met them, so you said you had 65 calls in six months, right? If you met them on call number two, you might not have been in the place where you've been through a lot and knew what you were looking for and knew what hit you, right? It's like yep. buying your first house, right? You you go and look at your first house and you're like, this is great. And then you look at 12 houses and you get a different perspective on you know, what makes sense and what feels right and so forth. Isn't that Completely true? true? <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a very good analogy. Yeah, it's a really good analogy. Actually, I've never never thought about it like that, but it, it makes complete sense. Yeah, yeah it makes sense. You, yeah, like you said, you do have to kiss yeah. a lot of frogs. So okay, so so you finish. Yeah, absolutely. And, and timing is is a lot of things, and the way you meet people, and you know, you're open to it, and all that kind of stuff. So, so you finish that acquisition. So you guys now are, are, are you own uh, Speak on Podcasts 100 percent bought them out, or did you just invest in the company and your part owners? You're gonna go, Dom we're yeah yeah so i can't see your face else so um yeah you know what when this goes when this gets recorded you'll see both of you clearly because it works on your end it's just the live thing maybe it's on internet slow speeders yeah yeah so um yeah we're majority shareholders but both the um both the old co-founders are still still shareholders as well and still sit on the board yeah and still still help Uh drive the business forward which is great because it podcasting is such a niche industry to have their knowledge yeah. and specialism in and around what we do is is really key to the growth of the business. Yeah. Now, it's a competitive space. I mean, you know, there's whatever millions of podcasts, a lot of them are, you know, didn't do 400 episodes or whatever, but I get contacted by agencies yeah. all the time. Yeah. Now, there's a probably a handful of the regulars to, to me now, but I mean, it's ridiculous. Once you have enough episodes, everybody and their grandmother wants to put a 
person yeah. on your show and I don't know where they find it, whatever. So it's a, it's a competitive, it's a competitive space. space for what? Yeah. And a lot of it, go on, I'll, I'll go this time, Dom. Go on, Dom. Um, it's a competitive space what we liked yeah. about um, Speak On Podcast is that they do things slightly differently you know in terms of the outreach how we profile okay. building specific pages for, for clients not just a, a spray and pray um, it's much more strategic um, with right. how we work with our clients so you know we shopped around when we were going through the acquisition process to see what the competitors were doing is this normal and there was a clear difference between what yeah. what Speak on Podcasts do and what a lot of the other market leaders do, which for us is a massive sign that we can go in, productize the service. There's clear differences between us and what everybody else does, um, which made it even more attractive. Yeah. Now, you, so your clients are, it's kind of a B2C, B2B hybrid, right? Because you may be representing individuals, maybe they're authors, maybe they're speakers, whatever, and you're getting them on shows. But also, if you represent a company, you're still usually representing like the executive. You're not, you can't put a, a business on a show, right? It's got to be a person. So you're kind of a, it's it's kind of a, a hybrid. So we're, we're more like, I'm, I'm curious about the mix of, of business. Is the business more like companies you do business with and you're putting their executives on shows? Or are you representing more like, let's call them solopreneurs because that's what I get a lot. I mean, that's what I want. I don't want people that are corporate executives yeah. and are working for a company. I want them to own the company, started the company, exited the company, mm-hmm. whatever. W- what's the, what's the mix of clients of speak on podcast? It's quite a blend, isn't it, Dom? It is quite a blend. Yeah. And, and I guess this is the beauty of the team as well is we have relationships with sort of 1300 hosts now. Um, mm-hmm. So we wouldn't put, you know, an executive, we wouldn't pitch an executive to you. Whereas a lot of, a lot of agencies will just, they'll get a client in and they'll just send it right. to all, all the people on their mailer list. And I have to um, evaluate whether I want them or not. Right. Yeah, exactly. Where we, yeah. you know, we will match, we, we will almost do a, a perfect match and look at that instead of, instead of that spray and pray approach, which means we can right. work with, you know, the bigger companies and the executives and, there is a place for those those guys, and there is podcasts who who want those guys on. Um, yeah, and then there is obviously the the solopreneurs. But I, I'd say it's um it's a pretty even split across. Um, obviously, the it's interesting working with bigger companies and putting multiple different executives on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Usually, obviously, the initiative is from a, a marketing department, so you need to get more buy in from from those executives and um, to jump on podcasts and split. You know. If you're doing a few podcasts a month, it does take take up time. You're talking from experience, yeah. Dom. It's a different sell internally. I am, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, no. It's a different sell internally to get executives on than you know solopreneurs where they can use it as content. They want to speak about their journey um, and they want to pitch their product. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so then the company, and you know, we're going to take a break. Um, to recognize the few sponsors being a little bit of money. So, um, but when we come back, I want to talk more about, um, you know, the things you see in the, in the venture capital space, the kind of businesses that are out there. How do you guys evaluate a business? How should other people do that? If that's something that they want to use as a strategy to grow their company or their portfolio or whatever, awesome. that, that makes sense. Absolutely. Here's a word from our sponsors looking to market and grow your business, or perhaps you're just getting started and want to hit the ground running. 
AWeber is the best choice for online email marketing and automation of your business. From maintaining a subscriber list to drip campaigns and landing pages, AWeber gives you tools and integrations that make marketing easy and fun. As our partner and sponsor, we use all their tools to promote the podcast and market our law firm. AWeber, the best alternative for online marketing. For over 30 years, the Alternative Board, or TAB, has built a thriving community of forward-thinking CEOs and business owners who want to radically improve their companies. Through unique combinations of one-on-one business coaching, participation in monthly TAB board meetings with other non-competing owners, a suite of strategic tools, and customized strategic planning workshops, TAB membership can deliver greater strength to your business and a better work-life balance for you and your family. All packaged in a streamlined and affordable service that the people at TAB invite you to try risk-free. Maybe you're looking to get into podcasting or you just want to market your business. Maybe you want to do it for enjoyment or because you have a message you want to get out there. One of One Productions is a New Jersey-based studio just over the George Washington Bridge that caters to the booming business of podcasting. They offer a comfortable atmosphere using the latest technology available to record your podcast. And they are a full-service media company offering both audio and video production services, creating both audio and video podcasts, as well as video shorts for business and personal use. Professional audio equipment packages are available through their website for all budgets. And be sure to check out their podcast guesting kit created especially for our listeners. Follow the link in the show notes to learn more about all of our sponsors. And now back to our show. Okay, we are back from our little commercial break. I think I got to re-record some of that stuff. Some of my inflections sound like I'm drunk when I'm like saying that. That's what you so, need to talk about. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Um, right, exactly. I can have a show on bourbon, um, and uh, yeah, that's my that's my thing. I, I don't know what you guys drink, but bourbons, my bourbon, scotch, other whiskeys. All right. So we were talking before about, uh, or going to get into, you know, I mean, you guys are young, but you, your strategy is to kind of grow a portfolio and run companies. And I assume they're, you're looking to kind of, you don't always have to do this to the listeners, right? But it's, it's a good strategy to kind of purchase or get involved in the businesses that complement your other businesses, right? It makes one drives the other, like the acquisition you were going to get involved with because they wanted your company because it drove their portfolio. Is that kind of an approach you're taking Um, at this point? Kind of to some degree, but not exclusively. Um, So, yeah. So, so all the, all the agencies that we're involved with do have complementary services. Um, But one thing that's worth mentioning is we are keeping each acquisition or investment completely separate. So we're not, we're not, we're not doing any mergers. We're not doing uh-huh. specifically a roll-up per se. Right, a parent company. So the, right, okay, yeah. So there, there is. Okay. I mean, there is a parent company which is Chapman Capital, but the invest each company is is individual. Okay. Um, what we do is there is some element of cross-sell. So, for example, in one of our companies, there may be a perfect okay. client, but they can't do any social media, for example. We've then got the the ability to to cross sell right. that service and make introductions from sister agencies. That's how sure. we make it work. But there's no, we wouldn't say there's sort of complementary services. There's no direct strategy to say we're missing now a web agency. We need to go after a web agency. We are right. we're doing things in a much got more it. reactive and case by case basis, purposely. 
um, because what what we found with the investments and the acquisition acquisitions that we've made, opportunities often get presented, and you can't really choose whether you want or you don't want to be involved. It's often the ones that you need to jump at are too good to be true, and you need to just make it work and somehow get that right. over the line. The ones where there's more time, typically there's a reason why people are trying to sell or they're trying to get out. Um, yeah, well, that's that's the you need to figure exactly. that out, right? Because whatever they're telling you is not the reason. Exactly, they're not selling because their business is worth a gazillion dollars and they want money. They're selling it because they're having trouble. That may be something in their personal life. Yep. Maybe it has nothing to do with the business, but that's your due diligence, right? I mean, that's yeah, you have exactly. To and and for us, we we're working on profiling companies based on can we come in and make an impact from a lead gen sales growth perspective? And Dom can jump in in just a sec around systems, right. people, processes. The, the other thing we're looking at, so first is can we productize, can we scale? The second is what are the what are the other business right. partners like? Um, because Dom and I have got a real good working relationship. Um, we're brothers. We've obviously grown up together. I know his strengths. He knows mine. I know his weaknesses. He knows mine. So to get into a metaphorical bed with somebody else We've got to really know that this is going to work. And the truth is not every relationship would. Right. Um, so they're the major two things we sort of profile a business on. Yeah. Tom, you got anything to add to that? And then I got some more questions for you. Yeah, not too much to be fair. I think it's <clears throat> when you're going through that initial phase and really trying to um, – understand if it's if it's well run it's kind of difficult to, to lift the lid without being in it um so right. it's it's really asking some key questions and just simple things that you can do like inquire on their website and see the process of how it comes back when you know when you inquire uh, all those little things are a good tell us to, to how the business is run and how it's operated operated um, but yeah, it, it is kind of difficult. And as El said, it's more about the, the relationship with the people. A lot of things, process and system led are quite easy to implement and change in a short right, period of time. Can, right. sure. Yeah. So, um, so I without think people, without the right people, you, there's, that's not going to work. You can put exactly. in all the processes. You can, right. Exactly. So exactly. here's my question for you, Tom and Elliot. I believe you're still here. Dom, you got to get him a better internet package. I think you got to upgrade. <laughs> I'm not paid enough. Uh, so, but the, yeah, right, exactly. Um, there must be things that you see on a regular basis that business owners do right and things you see them doing consistently wrong, which makes them, that doesn't mean that the acquisition is not attractive to you because you could say, well, we could fix that. But I was wondering what, from your experience, because that helps people listening who are entrepreneurs, you know, think about their businesses. What what are the, the, the um, consistent things that you see business owners doing right you're like this guy gets it and he's good at what he does and other things that you're like you know they just don't they don't get yeah, it yeah. they're not doing the right thing those types of things absolutely for, for me the the key one especially in the agency and service space where we're at um mm-hmm. a lot of the founders um are the specialists within their business so they're doing the sales right. and then they're doing the delivery and what happens right. when you, you get to a certain point in the, these sort of businesses, you know, we get to seven, eight, nine hundred thousand uh, a year. So a good size yeah. business, you've got a little team. Um, and what happens then is you're doing all the sales 
and then you right. sold and then you deliver and then you stay at an optimum and then you lose clients and then you you end up on this sort of wheel where you're right. you're doing the sales delivering lose a client then you have to go back to sales and what right. good operators and good business owners do is they'll set up um, really strong operating procedures and empower the team so they can just focus on sales, pass that knowledge onto the team, let their egos go. You know, they shouldn't be delivering on client right. accounts at that that size, um, and let the team so, actually deliver that. So basically, you're talking about a business owner who maybe gets start started right, does everything himself, which is often the case, right? When you're just you, when you have one assistant, but never gets to the point where they start to relinquish and pass on. And they're still trying to do everything themselves, but doing 700, 800, 900, a million dollars in sale. Even as a lawyer, I can't do, my fingers would be bleeding if I was doing a million dollars of business on my own. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, so, um, yeah. Oftentimes they will have a team um, who do some of yeah. the work. But I think as as founders, we feel like we are the best equipped to, to be able to deliver. And passing and relinqu- relinquishing control is really, really difficult. Um, because you want it to be perfect. Um, And what often happens is you will pass it over to someone else, maybe with not as much um, of the knowledge as as you think you're giving them. And me and Ella are both culprits of this as well. We've done it multiple times over. So you pass it on. Yeah, yeah, you you pass it over. They don't deliver as well as you would. And then you take it back and you never give it to anyone again. And you sort of, you know. Right. Get this. I can myself it's easier and it doesn't help grow the business exactly um i don't know if you want to you want to chime in there isn't that i I don't mean to jump ahead elliot but he'll chime in in a minute isn't that kind of why processes are so important like building in you know whether they're written manuals or processes or how you you know process a customer how you find a new lead whatever because if you don't you know it's you're never going to be able to to transfer it to the next part. Or if the guy died, like what well, we got sick and you know, we can't do that. Then what would you do? Exactly. I think, but those kind of things you can, unless the owner is very reluctant, right? Those are the kind of things you can remedy. Those are the kind of things you could say, you know what, this business is doing well, we can triple their sales if their processes are in place and you can do that. Right. What kind of, well, let Elliot comment on that first. And then I'd like to get into like, what kind of things do you see that are harder to remedy? Maybe impossible to remedy, but yeah, Elliot, you, maybe you got well, you're comment. both, absolutely uh spot on so what we've done across each agency is created essentially a knowledge bank um where every single process everything that takes place in that business there is a process behind it and it's documented whether that's written we also leverage video a lot because you know you can actually walk somebody through a video so all the way from a team member requesting time off or requesting holiday through to how you actually deliver our service, how you interact with clients. Yeah. There is a knowledge bank for absolutely everything that we do across the businesses. So we've templated that. Got it. Got it. Yeah. You know how many businesses I work with in the United States and they're decent sized businesses. They're doing, you know, a few million dollars of sales. They don't even have an employee <laughs> handbook. That doesn't surprise me. Forget about a process, you know, processing a customer. Yeah. And there are laws obviously that require that yep. you do that anyway. So yeah. Yeah. Now people are, yeah. So, um, so, oh, I, I asked you before. So what are the things you, you see in companies, uh, that are harder to, to remedy? Maybe why you didn't move forward with, um, further consideration? Yeah. 
I can chime in here, Al, and, and you can chime in after. <clears throat> um, for me, it's it's definitely around the founder and the business owner, and a lot of the time, it's it's to do with their ego and how they perceive the business, how much the business is worth, how they treat the team, right. how the team is. A lot of a lot of businesses, how the team is, how how the relationship is with the clients, it comes from um, comes from the, the founder and the business. Yeah, it comes from the top. Um, and we see a lot of founders with a sort of this ego that they they've created this this business that has all this value and a lot of the time it actually it doesn't um it's very top heavy it's all founder led yeah. so you know they want all this money for the business and they want to leave tomorrow but everything runs through them um and yeah. however much you try and explain to them it's you know it's not possible um you know, it's just absolutely not possible for them to to get that acquisition. Right. Yeah. No, I definitely here too. It's the same way. People overvalue their business, especially if they're service based businesses. They really yeah. don't equip their business. The business is them. It's not a business. So you can't buy a, a person. You know, and if and if you get a lot of people that aren't really on board, or they're in the wrong place, or they're the wrong employees, because they just kind of the good ones left, and the bad ones just had no choice. Those are hard things to, to remedy. Do you find when you get involved in the business that the business owners regularly have a business plan or some sort of strategic plan or things in writing or stuff like that, or is it very very sparse and rare? I'll I'll take this. Yeah, I'll take this. Sparse, I'd say. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not not often would you see a not often would you see a, a long term vision or a strategic plan um, for the company. Typically, you will see high level what they want to achieve, but not often is it well documented uh-huh. in terms of what you, what we would perceive to be a business plan. But I'll be honest, that's not necessarily a, a deal breaker for us. So long as they can articulate. Right. Yeah. So, so long as they can articulate what they want to achieve and the, the vision of the company, the values of the company, somehow defining what the culture is like, um, you know, for me, a set of principles or a set yeah. of values is as important um, as a long-term strategic plan. People can get lost in five-year business plans. We don't know what we're doing in 12 months' time. Pointless planning. Oh, yeah, there's no question about it. Well, if they use them properly, they would convert from a business plan to like processes that run the business. And that's one of the problems that yeah, Tom exactly. mentioned. That they don't have these things in place. It's because they never really work in their plan if they even have one. But that does that make... Does that make due diligence a little challenging? Like you have to kind of figure it out on your own to figure out, you know, yeah. what, is this really what they're saying? Very much so. So we, Dom and I have obviously got two different skills and backgrounds. So we'll sort of assess and judge the right. culture and the values based on the interaction with the founders or the owners. And you do get a, like in anything in life, you get a gut uh-huh. feel on whether you're being lied to or whether these people are genuine so we'll then take the numbers and as soon as we see the numbers you can quite quickly and i'm on about the financials you quite quickly get a gut feel on the state of the business and whether you're being told the truth and then dom lifts the lid on the processes do they have a bank a knowledge bank that they can share do they have documentation on how to deliver the service how well documented are things so between myself and dom we then get together and say yeah listen this is this is something that's worth pursuing or 
we're going to need to bump the price here because there's actually a lot of work that we need to do because they've not said it's in as good order as we they think it is. Yeah, well, you know, if you're and a lot of entrepreneurs don't like they like avoid financials and numbers and so forth because it's not creative, it's not fun. But yeah, I mean, if you know how to read a financial statement and you know how to dig into this stuff, you, it it reveals a lot. And and you know, business owners don't always run their businesses with the expectation of Correct. selling or exiting. They run it to like pay less in taxes, and you get these. And I look, I deal with a lot of business brokers in the United States because they send me deals that people need an attorney, right? To close to, I'm yep. sure you do it there too, to close these deals. And they're, I call it magic math. They're like trying to alter the books of the company to try and make the argument that the, the business owner and his family have been taking all this money out and it's not going to come out now because you're buying the company and it's really not showing a loss. It's really showing a, a million dollars yep. of profit a year. We it's get like magic math because it's not real. So it's up to you to decide. We get exactly the same here. Um, we actually had a deal that would have been a bolt-on service to one of the companies. It was a, a tech platform. Would have been a great bolt-on. Um, but it was exactly that. It's like, well, they they were spending about a quarter of a million a year funding this new venture through this other company. And the argument was, uh -huh. well, we're not going to be funding that. So there's a quarter of a million in profit. And it's, you know, there are... with. With numbers and with the finances, you cannot, it is fact. There's no fiction. You can't move numbers into a different place. You will still right. get the end numbers. And you can also, there's only so much you can do in terms of projecting the future in terms of the finances. We are not accountants. And I say that yeah. as a positive thing. No offense to any accountants right. out there. But we come at it from quite a logical perspective of, well, we know there has to be some level of creativity. We appreciate that people run companies yeah. to pay taxes and to fund families and to fund lifestyles. We're, we're entrepreneurs by trade. We are not, I would call ourselves, we're not particularly business people per se. We are literally the definition of what your show is called. We've stumbled here. There's been no magic formula to get here we've accidentally landed where we are so the numbers we get things being creative but you can't you can't move numbers to where they're not and also by the argument any argument about the right. future value or that's not in the pnl anymore or that's not going to be on the balance sheet is a really really difficult argument to have because it's not fact yet Right. And, and you're the, one of the problems is you're buying it to build Correct. value, to create value, to maybe get financing in the future, to bring in other investors. And if you've got this bridge that you have to then cross to somehow fix the way that they're accounting for the, the profit and loss of this company, it may be a bridge you can't yeah, it's, cross. It's challenging. You know, it all, look, when the numbers start coming in and become real, they're not projected anymore. Yeah. You're like, well, you know what? Now that we took over, we need three other people to replace this guy, and there's the two fifty. And it, it also it changes, you know, or or something happened. Yeah, sorry, it, it changes how you can potentially finance the acquisition as well. You know, if in in particular circumstance, right. you might be leveraging the the balance sheet to try and get debt into the company or against the company to then relieve them of of the company. That you wouldn't be able to do that if the finances aren't in good order. Equally, if the finances aren't in good order, yeah, no, 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 no. bank or lender 
Yeah, no bank or lender is going to go with anything except what's reported to the taxing authority. And that's in the it. same breath, yeah, because that's what why the would Dom are. and I put our own money into something that isn't that accurate? It's the same argument, <laughs> right? Right, exactly. You right. You should be using, and people listening should be using the same criteria with their own money that someone who would lend you money to buy the business would use. And I know lenders. I'm sure in the UK it's the same thing. You know, they have certain statutory requirements and federal requirements, yep. things like that that an individual wouldn't have. But you still should apply the basic principles of, you know, of, of good sound um, business judgment when it comes to reviewing these businesses. I'm sorry. I just tell people, listen, if you're going to, if you want to, and I know the the good ones that I know, they grow businesses, they pay their taxes, they do whatever they do, and they do it with the expectation of growing value and eventually exiting the business. And it becomes a lot easier when they don't play around with the, you know, they make real numbers. They don't have to try and backpedal and explain what these things are. So, no, I appreciate all your comments. and, And it seems to be that there are similar like trends by you versus in the United States. It's, you know, business is business, right? You can, yeah. Can't make, you it, can't up. Can't it. make it up. I've, I had a business where I think the owner was like nineties, I think. And they were saying the whole thing where their family in the business, not going to be in the business anymore, this whole thing. And I was helping evaluate for a client of mine. And I said, well, the biggest problem you have is you're trying to fix all this stuff. And this guy could like die in the middle <laughs> of the transaction. So they, they couldn't get their handle on the financials because they were, a mess. And lo and behold, another group came in because they wanted the real estate. I forget what it was. There was a big building involved. They bought it. They didn't get through closing. The guy died. So then they had to deal with his estate and his family and the whole thing. And cool. I don't know what happened. I, we decided not to. Funny enough. Yeah. That sounds messy. <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. So, um, okay. So we're coming up on an hour about, so you guys have any like, you know, last minute comments you want to make advice for people, pe- how people can, kind of follow you, interact with you, get in touch with you? Like, Elliot, you go first and then Dom and then we'll... Uh, yeah, we'll cool. So um, if you want to get in touch, drop us an email, Elliot, E-L-L-I-O-T, at chapman.capital, or you can follow us or drop us a connection request, each of us on LinkedIn, Elliot Chapman or Dom Chapman. Um, my passing comment um, would be similar to, I guess, this, the, the lessons that Dom and I have learned in the past which is don't focus too much on creating the, fer- the perfect brand or the perfect website or the perfect service. Try and sell something first and then re-engineer and deliver the service. So what we typically do with any new business that we're starting is we'll create an introductory offer um, where we'll say, listen, we're only doing this for five customers. It's going to be 50% off. And the reason we're going to do that is you're going to be a case study. It's a brand new service. Right. This is what you'll get in return. Yeah, you're testing the market. Exactly, testing the market. But people are, you're transparent about doing so. You're not, you know, you're not selling any lies. You're transparent about what you're doing. Sell it and then engineer how you're going to deliver that. Use those five as your guinea pig, but don't, I see too many people trying to, you know, give off their service for free at the start. You don't need to do that. You can get paid to do so, so long as you're upfront and transparent. So anybody that's looking to start out or, go into a different field, service-based field, then that's what, that's what I would do. Yeah. So it's kind of like a, don't wait till the lights are 
all green, the head Definitely takes down type of thing, right? You, you can, because there are people like that. They just got to be perfect. And they use it as an excuse to never do anything. Yeah, pointless waiting until it's perfect. Yeah. You're never going to get there. Good advice. Good advice, Tom. Yeah, so, so mine would be slightly different because I, I agree with everything else said, but he's already said it. Um, <laughs> usually I'm the one who goes first on these, so I, I, get, I get in first. <laughs> mine was... One thing that we haven't really touched upon in, in today's show, but me and I really focus on is sort of building deep relationships with, uh, with people. That's providers, that's, um, you know, clients, people who aren't even clients that, you know, they're just people in the industry and building real deep relationships and really seeing how we can help them and support them without the expectation of, you know, getting business back in. And I think over time that's helped us. We've, we've had relationships with people nearly 10 years now that, you know, we've been supporting them. They've been supporting us. Uh, we've gone for coffees. We've gone for drinks. You know, we've made the introductions without the expectation of it going anywhere. Um, mm-hmm. And I think not enough people really focus on building those long-term relationships. They, If they don't get something in return within, you know, a couple of months, they'll move on to the next mm-hmm. person. Um, and I don't think that's the attitude that you should have because most the most fruitful relationships are the ones that you have over a long period of time. That's where the trust right. is built. Um, right. So if you can focus on building, you know, long-term relationships. Very good. Okay. And we'll put both of your emails, if that's okay, in the show notes. Absolutely. Uh, speak on podcast. Absolutely. We'll put all the links in there. They're not in there yet because we're live, but when I redo them. So if that's good, let's go to credit, stick around and, uh, I thank you guys for coming on. I appreciate it so much. much. Loved it. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Accidental Entrepreneur. Opening and closing music written and performed by Howie Moscovich and Made to Order Music. For information about Howie and his music services, please follow the link in our show notes. If you like the podcast, please tell others about us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and most of the other podcast directories. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review and feel free to share our episodes on social media. If you have any questions or comments, ideas for the show, or you'd even like to appear as a guest, reach out to us by email at info at the Accidental Entrepreneur is hosted by Mitch Beinacker and produced by Beinacker Law. If you'd like to learn more about our business and legal services, you can find us on social media or visit our website at BeinackerLaw.com. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe to our feed to be notified of all future episodes.